Welcome to Rise Above the Ashes podcast, where we break down the art of failure and learn why multiple failures equals true success if you just don't give up. In this podcast, we go deep with our guests to find out how they overcome some of the greatest obstacles in their lives and what makes them tick as a human being. Learn here how you can turn your failures into true success. All right, guys. Today, I have my friend Jesse LeBlanc of Exco Management. How are you doing today, Jesse? Fantastic. What is it? Tuesday? Every day is the same to me, but thank God I didn't get it wrong this time. Usually I say it's Friday or Sunday or whatever, but I'm, I'm happy Tuesday. Great start of the week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I used to have a saying uh, to my wife when we were dating in high school, uh, every day is a sunny day. You know, I'm right. really hoping that it becomes a reality because yesterday was a sunny day. In the last uh, several weeks, it seems like it's just gray and fog and cold and wet and this Atlanta weather sucks. <laughs> yeah, I think like tomorrow it's going to be 70. And then in about three days, it'll be 30. So, you know, hey, welcome to Georgia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, the way I do this podcast, uh, just so you know, uh, we, we kind of learn who you are, where you're at now, where you've been in your past, where you're going. And then I like to interject a little bit of, you know, which I'm starting just now to do the real estate teachings. But I like to interject a little bit of uh, some of the what you've accomplished over the years and what you can teach the audience. and. I know your time is really important. We don't have a full hour to do this podcast, but we will condense it into 30 minutes so that the listeners can learn who Jesse LeBlanc of ESCO Management is. So with that said, why don't you tell us who Jesse LeBlanc with ESCO Management is and what you do? <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I will, I'll kind of go back into some, some history there. Uh, and then that way it might help you kind of think of a question or two that you want to uh, me to elaborate on a little bit, but let's go way back when I was so used to moving every six to eight months growing yeah. up. By the time I was 17, finally, we had lived in uh, one place for more than six or eight months. So I think I was about six months out from graduating high school. And my parents are like, hey, we're moving to Kansas. And I'm just like, hey, have a good time. I'm not moving. And so, of course, it's like, you know, 17, never lived on my own before. And now out of nowhere, I have to figure out how to live and what, what am I going to do with my life and everything. So I jumped in my car. Once my parents moved out, I became kind of bitter towards them because this is the first time fondly that we had actually lived in a place longer than eight months. I actually had a couple friends. And so I was kind of bitter towards the, the family. And that's another reason why I wasn't going to move. About to graduate high school, finally. And I end up living with uh, a Cambodian family next door temporarily and just kind of watch their kids for a place to stay. And then there were times where I was sleeping in my car at a Waffle House parking lot, just trying to make ends meet and um, trying to have a full-time job and still finish out school. So once I right left there, there you're, you're, so technically you were slightly homeless. Yeah, sl slightly, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, you know, my, my car was my home. Yeah, so... But uh, yeah, I wasn't sleeping in a box or anything like that. But right. if I was, I would have made it the best damn home um, it, it, wherever I lived at anyway. So yeah. then I went to college, finished out a couple uh, degrees, went through DeVry, and then went to uh, LaGrange and finished out uh, business management yeah. or, or a BA degree there. And then from that point on, just kind of went into what everybody thought, what everybody thinks when they go to college. Hey, I just got to go out and get that nine to five and go hustle and grind and, and work for somebody else to get that paycheck. And I think I was rarely ever making anything, maybe $40,000, $45,000, even whenever I was a financial analyst and marketing analyst. And I worked for Hewlett and um, Red Bull and a couple, a couple
couple other places, I still wasn't making much. And yeah. I just loved what I was doing. It wasn't, I wasn't focused on just like really trying to climb the ladder at that point in time. I just respect that I need to listen to the boss. I need to listen to everybody else and prove myself. And one day I'll finally get up there to the director level or whatever. So I did that until somewhere around 2009-ish, right around 2009. I left corporate world and became a police officer for give or take about four years Yeah. Uh, until right around 2013. And just couldn't handle the politics anymore. I was multiple times. I was officer of the quarter for all of DeKalb County uh, mm-hmm. here in Atlanta. And then one year, I was also uh, I was officer of the year for the entire uniform division in DeKalb County, yeah. which was rather impressive. With Atlanta, um, with with DeKalb County being basically the same size as Fulton County, with the amount of officers you can only imagine being number one was pretty impressive. But that didn't come with, it was no easy feat for sure. Yeah, I was about um, to say, did that cause you any headaches? Yeah. So, I mean, there were, <laughs> there were definitely times. One of, one of the biggest issues I had there was always trying to do the right thing. Yep. Uh, and a lot of people are, you know, always talk about, oh, it's a brotherhood. Oh, it's the blue line. But the reality is I'm not going to go to jail. I'm not going to go do wrong just because of that quote unquote brotherhood. I, I don't mm. care who you are. I'm not going to following your footsteps if you're doing something wrong. And mm-hmm. I say that because there was one situation specifically where I ended up seeing something that happened horribly wrong um, by two officers. And the second I saw it, I basically had no idea what to do. I couldn't believe what I saw. And I damn near started crying. And one person that I actually trusted happened to be right around the corner. I let her know. She then es- um, kind of went up to the next chain of command let them know. Next thing I know, within 30 minutes, I was locked in a room at our precinct from like 2.30 in the afternoon until about 11 o'clock at night. You can't come out. Don't eat. Don't go pee. You can't do anything. You're being interrogated by the GBI, by everybody about what I had just seen. When I finally left uh, that night, next thing I know, the officers had already been sent to jail, stripped of everything, and now basically, you know, having charges for what they did. So that, for the next couple of years, Basically, you just created a huge target on my back. You know, everybody, everybody saw me as the rat snitch bitch. Whoever knew me saw yeah. me as the rat in the company. And, uh-huh. you know, Jesse could never be trusted. But right. then you'd also have those people who are really good people who would want to do anything and everything to, you know, make sure that they're riding with you, if you will. Mm. So there, that was, that's kind of what started my career being a police officer. And I still kept on it. I'm, I refused to move to a different department. I wanted to stay where I currently live at. I yeah. wanted to take care of the people that I'm, I walk past, I jog past, I live next to every day. And I refused to leave just because someone else, because Brass, the higher up level, wanted to make it easier on them and less paperwork. Yeah. Well, so, well in a previous conversation uh, with you, you've told me that you were almost shot due to a lack of support by you know, other officers and things like that. Obviously, that's life-threatening. How stressful of a time was this for you? That was always weighing on, on my shoulders, for sure. And, and, and that specific episode was apartment complex right on the corner from where I still live today. And I was one of the only units that um, paid for my own camera systems and everything like that on my on my unit, my own body. And this specific scenario, um, I was already we already knew that this this guy 
potentially had a weapon, but he never brandished it at the time. We didn't really, you know, I didn't really know, but he had one before. So I was already ready for it. And everybody else knew I happened to go down a breezeway and literally right when I came around the corner, I'm face to face with the guy. So now we're about to get into a fight. I'm yelling for backup because I already knew what might happen, but he didn't have his weapon brandished at the time. So there's no sense in me necessarily coming out with that type of force at the time. I had every right to use or pull out my weapon because of the knowledge we had prior, but I'm trying to just, you know, keep things at the right level and, and not be one up too quick. We got into a little scuffle and I'm still yelling and screaming for, for help and exactly where I'm at. And I end up having to tase the guy and he's still coming out of the taser. I'm about to have to tase him again. And now I've already been yelling over the radio exactly what's happening, tasing. The next use of force would have been my gun. And he actually had kept reaching for his pocket. and. Yeah. At that point in time, I knew the officers were coming, but I had no idea where or whatever. And so now he's now reaching out for his gun and I was able to you know, jump on top of him and stop him from pulling out that gun just in time without me having to also use my gun on him. Long story short, later on, I went back and looked at my video and realized that officers were just leisurely walking through the parking lot. And, and even though I was screaming that, you know, now I'm saying gun, gun, gun or whatever. and you know that was that was that was one of the times where it easily could have went south really quick, really quick, and that was all from those were people that had had known the officers that quote unquote I got fired, you know when they were doing wrong, and mm-hmm. so they knew who who I was, and they were in no uh, no hurry to get there. So it was kind of like a hey, we'll we'll leave him to get his his ass beat, and yeah. maybe he'll learn a lesson for getting our friends fired, kind of like a freaking movie like it's like yeah. a bad movie what is, what is that movie with denzel washington and ethan hawk uh training day better oh training yeah. Day. yeah holy yeah. crap man oh, there oh, you go geez. that's a little more exciting though but yeah. yeah 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 well i mean they threw him in the bathtub and tried to shoot him i mean that was that was intense but at least that didn't happen yeah. to you like holy cow so well tell me about uh uh after the the cap pd and uh yep. you move flowing into private investigations which ultimately led to you being in the real or going into real estate and creating this exciting new career that you have, you know, just just really tackled over the last few years. So, why don't you tell us yeah. about that transition? So I, so I left there, and then it's almost like, okay, well, now now what do I do? I definitely don't want to go back into the corporate world, but what do I, what do I want to do? I'm I've always been kind of an entrepreneur at heart. I've always come up with like little small things, little businesses, but never really took things off. Um, and so then I'm like looking for online posts. Like, what, what, what do I want to do? Something that's just part-time right now because I still had the breadwinner at home. Mama's the one making all the money at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I don't have to be out there working my ass off at a W-2 job and do what I don't want to do. So at least I had the luxury, I guess, if you will, right. of kind of staying at home, figuring things out. Although that's not who I am. I certainly don't want my wife being the breadwinner. Uh, right. But at the time, she was. So good for her. So I did Section 8 inspections for half a year or something like that, three quarters of a year. So during that time, I met a lot of investors, met a lot of contractors, met tons of good and bad tenants, mm-hmm. um, and, the, and the whole gamut that you could think of in, in and around uh, rental properties, basically. And so after, I think towards the end of that, I was putting a bunch of little clues together 
finding guys who basically dealt with property management companies, who dealt with contractors, who dealt with investors. And before I even knew what a GC was or a general contractor, I had no idea what that word even was. Right. And so I just started my company, which is Mexico Management still today. I started the company basically being the, as I consider myself, the liaison, if you will, between the investor mm-hmm. and the contractor. So I would just go find the investors, figure out very small, simple, cosmetic things that I could figure out how to do, painting, carpet, the, the bare minimum, and then find people who could do the work and then upcharge. And that's how I just created what I thought was like a new business structure when I had no idea millions of people are out there being a general <laughs> contractor that I just thought I was special doing this. So that's what I created the company based on. What, what year was this? What year that was, was this? October of, matter of fact, on my birthday, October 15th of 2014 is when I started the company. Wow. And so I think into November, I was still trying to put pieces together. And then November, one guy called me from a Craigslist ad when I was posting stuff on some Facebook and some Craigslist ads. He called me and you know it was the whole fake it till you make it. I, I made things sound really sexy and I had no idea what the hell I was doing. But at least I knew from the last eight or so months of dealing with other investors and contractors that I just kind of felt like I could somehow make this work. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess my... At the time, I'm just going to say now, I don't think it was very smooth talking, but obviously it was. Somehow I uh, talked this guy into believing everything I said, and he had quite a few rental properties. And so I started doing a little bit of work for him in November slash December. And I think I did like two or three small jobs for him. And because of my over-the-top communication, pictures, video, always giving updates, emails, everything... And I was being over the top because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. But at least this is the way to get this person to believe that I know what I'm doing. And that worked. That was really the start from that point forward is where now it gets really exciting and and where the pitfalls and the pain and stuff starts. Mm. So the start of 2015 now, I had been kind of doing some work for him for a month or so. Start of 2015, maybe the very end of 2014, he was like, hey... I see that you're doing, you know, really good job on my other properties. I'd really love to start flipping properties. I've done X number of flips. And I think, you know, if, if you're willing to partner with me, then hey, why don't we go ahead and do it? You're you're there. You can handle basically being the project manager. Again, before I even knew what all these tasks and and you know roles and responsibilities were, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always <laughs> wanted to flip. That sounds good. I watched all those TV shows. I yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I want to do, right? So we started, we started, uh, you know, he kept his company name. I still kept my company name and we just did everything. I say everything, but I'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. We did everything 50-50 financially, buying the houses, talking with the agents, getting the lending. And I was to find all of our contractors and basically run the project. Little yeah. did I know, I basically was the turd running around, doing all the work, being the project manager, working 12, 14 hours, running the projects. And as far as I knew, he was the one who was taking care of all the utilities, talking with the the lawyers, talking with the agents, getting all the lending and all that stuff squared away. So I thought that that was like a very hard job. And that's, you know, that definitely, that definitely um, should mean that he gets 50% of, of this. Like, I don't know anything about that. 
that's all you. I know how to run the project. I'm figuring out numbers. I can do all that kind of stuff. Right. So the first couple of projects we did, he he was really stressful. Constant 24-7 pressure on me. Why are things costing so much? And I could just never really understand it. I'm just like, we're getting better rates than other people and our quality is better than other people. Why are you constantly on me? And I'm working 12, 14 hour days. Yeah. So we we constantly got into it, but still were pretty good friends, I guess, if you will. And about four or five months into the, I'm sorry, the year, I found out that he was actually in Spain. And here is, I saw his business license and everything showed like North Carolina. He came to Georgia and met with me a couple of times. And I just assumed because I didn't ask, I guess I assumed his license was from North Carolina and he's talking about, you know, driving in and checking on our projects and finally meeting me. And so I've never thought anything of it. Yeah. Yeah. So come to find out, I think somewhere around four or five months into it, next thing you know, he gets on like WhatsApp or whatever. And he's talking about, I think he's on a yacht or he's on his boat somewhere. Right. And he's Mm -hmm. out there doing just what you'd expect. On, on WhatsApp, like turning all around, showing me all the beautiful water and telling me about how, how amazing it is that he can be in another country and still flipping properties in Atlanta, making bank and not really having to do much work. And I'm just yeah. like, wow, that's exciting. That's exactly what I want to do. But I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? What am I doing? Why am I not over there? Why am I yeah. working 14 hour days and he's hanging out with his dog and his kids and, and, and wife and a yacht? Like something's yeah. not, something's not right. Well, fast forward like, a few years later, now you're doing it though, right? I, I'm definitely doing it now. So <laughs> Maybe not that, on the yacht, I don't first, know. <laughs> yeah, I think that first year, we definitely did about seven or so flips. We lost about 80 grand on one flip just by doing the basement and found out again that he's thinking prices over in Spain. Like you can hire a Mexican for $3 an hour. And here I'm like, that's, that's not... No, sorry. It's completely different, brother. So that's what really started kind of causing more stresses by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And then in 2016, I, I let him I let him go. 2016, I started doing my own rehabs and then hired a full-time project manager who is now a W-2 employee for me. And I mm-hmm. think he's been employed with me actually since 2015. So 2016 did about three to five flip just on my own. Yep. And then I realized, okay, I need to find better deals. What do I do? Who am I buying my deals now from? How are they getting good deals? That's when I learned the word wholesale. So uh-huh. 2017, the start of 2017, I hired a friend of mine who was just an IT kind of guy and never out there in sales or anything. So I hired him on as an acquisitions and took about four or so months just constantly trying to train him with basically stuff I didn't even know. It's almost like, who do I know? Who do I know? What are they doing? What are they doing? Okay, get this video, grab that video, put stuff together. Okay, follow those guys, do what they're doing. I don't know anything else about a wholesale, but do what they're doing. Just just bring me some deals. So I literally just threw a friend to a fire and I had no idea what the hell wholesale was myself. So that was the start of my wholesale career, basically. So at about four or five months into it, I actually wanted to fire him because I'm just like, wow, I'm dumping in several thousand dollars a month. I've already guaranteed you a full year salary. You're not doing anything. And of course, I still had to make it sound like I knew what I was doing, you know? And he finally got his first deal in, I think it was April. And he's never, ever, ever looked back since. I think within about two or three months after that, he had already made 
what he was making for an entire year's salary at another W-2 job elsewhere. So he was happy. I was happy. That was the start of the wholesale. That's, that's really cool. So how many... Uh, so, so is he still with you today? Yeah, he's actually now my um, COO of the company. Nice, nice. How many, how many wholesales did you do in that year? In that first year, I think was probably only around... Eight. I could go back and look and see, but it, it yeah. wasn't that much. It might have been. It might have been about eight in, yeah. in 2017. Well, I know I had met you towards the end of. I want to say. I guess it was. No, it was the end of 2018. So I yeah, met you exactly. maybe a year later. I got you. Okay, I got you. Yep. Well, so that's so that's awesome. So you started doing the wholesales. You had your friend working with you. Now he's making money. Obviously, you're probably that's trickling up. You're making money. Then what? Yeah. So then in 2018, I started branching out and figuring out, okay, how can we grow this? How can we scale it? Mm-hmm. So then 2018, we started hiring some, some new people. And into 2019, continued hiring, creating more systems. I was paying, man, for marketing, I was paying close to 20, somewhere right around $20,000 a month just in marketing. And what I want to get into later on is what I was never doing was tracking any of those numbers. For every dollar I put in, what am I getting out? All I was focused on is, okay, are the employees getting paid? Are the bills being paid? Yes, the employees are being paid. The bills are being paid. But I was never making anything whatsoever. But I was okay with that because I'm just like, okay, one day I'll I'll get my cut down the road right now. Let me just put every dollar back into the company. Um, And so that's what I did for a couple of years until last year when I almost ran my company completely into the ground just four or five months ago. But so 2018, 2019, I was growing, I was scaling, I was hiring more acquisitions associates mm-hmm. and doing far better on training. And I've done a lot of coaching, mentoring and stuff like that during that time. But I pulled completely away from that just so I could focus 100, 100% of my attention on, on, on my wholesale team. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we're still doing some flips, still doing some lending, but the wholesale is, is really the bread and butter of it. So all the way up until 2019... Now I've got um, basically two. I've got one. Currently, I have one acquisitions manager, but in the next two weeks, we're about to let one of our other acquisitions associates step up. So I'm just going to say what we're about to have. We're going to have two acquisitions managers, and then we're about to have three acquisitions associates with Mm -hmm. a couple more probably coming. So basically, I'm going to have two wholesale teams under one company. Because they're very competitive and we love, we love, love, love having rewards and incentives for our teams. And so now having two teams kind of fighting against each other, but still working for the same purpose is going to be something new for us. So two acquisitions managers, three current associates under, uh, under them total with a couple more than we're about to hire. We've got a dispositions and a transaction coordinator. Mm-hmm. I've got my project manager doing the rehabs and all the the whole tail I call it just the light cosmetic flips instead of the full eighty hundred grand flips. Mm-hmm. And then I've got my um, COO of the company. And I think let's see, we've got a bookkeeper, and then now we're about to hire an office manager here as well. Awesome. So you you're running uh, you're running a a company. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the start of one. It's yeah. it's finally it's finally making its way up there, I guess. So a few months ago, you were at the downtrod of your business, not knowing where money was going. To yep. four months later, you're on top of it, and you know you've been in business for six years, and you're still here. 
pushed, you pushed on through the, uh, the struggle, uh, which became real. And now you're on top and you got a bunch of people that are working for you that are doing really, 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 really well. What's the key to, what's the key to success? So for me, it has always been work for my employees. Don't have my employees work for me. I'm always giving everything I possibly can to them. Unless within like a month or two, I saw that a new employee wasn't going to be a good fit, I would get rid of them. But anybody who's been here for more than two months, we have never, uh, we've never had anybody leave. I take that back. One of our acquisitions managers left for a month and a half to go back to his W-2 job. And he couldn't wait to come back. And for the first, literally, he already knew the first year he was probably going to make like $60,000 less than what his W-2 job was. But he had that same vision that we did. He knew what was coming and what, what was going to be his position and the, um, and the amount that he could make, plus having access to tons of rental properties at better discounts, et cetera. So he saw the long-term vision. So he was, he was one person to actually come back. But yeah, for me, it's always give into your team. Always be there for them 100%. I don't care what it takes. I don't care if it means for temporarily, if that means I'm not getting paid and I've got to pull money from this credit card or pull money from that place to make sure that my, my employees are well taken care of, incentivize them, go above and beyond, surprise them with, uh, you know, send, send them and their wife out or their husband to a dinner, just whatever, something like that that's going to make a difference that no other company is probably going to do. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I referenced this book. All the time in my life, you want to be the, you want to be the purple cow. So you're you're not the purple cow as far as showy and social media or anything, but you're the purple cow within your business, yep. which is which is what I like. I think uh, you're over delivering content, you're over delivering value, you're pouring in like a you know I guess a f- cup floweth over into in your employees, and that's what drives you to succeed because you're you're helping others, and when you help others, when you serve more people. It only brings in more monetary value for you, which that's not necessarily why you're doing it. Let's be let's be frank. You are doing it for the money, but you are absolutely doing yeah. it. To, you are doing it to like like the picture behind you uh, behind you says boss and leadership. You're you're the boss that's leading people. <laughs> so yeah. that, that, that's awesome, man. I I uh, makes me miss having a company myself like that. I uh, <laughs> been there, done that. I, I think I'm about to build mine back up again. I've got a small team. I'm like uh, I think I'm I want to plug more people in because it's. It's just at the point where I don't really have to work as hard anymore. I, right. I, yeah. You know, uh, I'm, I'm with you on that, man. You know, what do you feel like has been your, I guess you've kind of hinted around some of the stuff. What has been your biggest struggle in the last uh, six years of being in business? I think financially, my biggest struggle was, was not measuring, not, not really paying attention to my metrics. That honestly, financially was the worst thing that I had ever done. Just because I had just been focused on the grind, the hustle, just get things done, get things paid, move on. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Keep going, keep going. But I was just literally just spending, spending, spending without really paying attention to where it's going and what the outcome was. So financially, that was, that was the worst, worst thing that I've ever done, but also the best thing that I actually realized. And, it, and it's actually easy to start doing. Um, I mean, it took me a little bit to go back over the last like four or five years. And, and run all those numbers and then come up with, with all the metrics. That was the hard part. But 
once I got it up and running, now it's easy to maintain every week, plug in a few numbers, boom, now I know what I'm doing with the company, share it with the team. Here's the expectations. Here's the minimum expectations for the company, for the team. Now it's easy to say either you're going to be fired down the road or you're going to be a rock star. Like there's no emotions involved anymore. It's just straight, here's, here's business. The emotions come on the side. Let me go to hang out with you. Let's go do fun things. Let me go send your wife and stuff like that on vacations. But the business decisions are right there. You're, you're making it. Either you're doing good or you're not doing good. So that really helped me out, honestly. Yeah. Would, you um, say, would you say being a, uh, a team playing boss uh, has awarded you success? I would absolutely say in amongst my team, and probably amongst everybody here, at least in the Atlanta market that knows me or knows my name, that's probably one of the number one things that always come up is completely transparent, always honest, and will be there to support the team and anybody else who I actually would sit down and, and take a few minutes with. Uh, that, that's what they definitely mentioned for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely known for that. Yeah, well, just me knowing you personally a few times we've met, I uh, I feel the same way about you. What do you feel like has been? I guess we talked about success and wins and struggles and uh, failures and things like that. What do you feel like is something that you need to overcome to get to the next level, whatever the next level, and, and define whatever the next level is for your company? Because you have you're, you're wholesaling, you're flipping, you have rentals, you're building a portfolio. Where is it that you want to go and what is something you need to overcome to get there? So I'm glad you ask it like that instead of what is your why? <laughs> because I don't know what my why is right now. And I'm not afraid to admit that. I'm still trying to figure that out. And I, have, I imagine it's going to take some time before I figure that out. What do I really love doing? Even though it stresses me the fuck out, I love challenging my team Part of my pitfall is that I think I might step in just a little bit too early before they feel that burn. Hmm. And so by me stepping in sometimes a little too early probably means that I'm actually causing them to delay a little bit before they get to their next level. Right. And so now, you know, my wife, I say my wife makes me travel. I could easily say no, but I literally travel darn near every month, at least every six weeks, we're gone for seven to 14 days somewhere. Like in a few days, I go to Tennessee for two days and then I go to Mumbai and uh, Dubai for like two weeks. So every single month, month and a half, we're going somewhere. That alone right there honestly has challenged me because there's places like we went to Africa. There's no way in hell I could get signal, but maybe like 10 minutes a day. And yeah. so for my team now is left Basically, the way I think is they've just been like thrown to the fire. And I thought that I would be able to jump in and help them out a whole lot. And it, I almost hate my vacations just about. And I don't even call them vacations. I like to call them experiences right now. I, my vacation is let me just sit on the beach. I can still have access to my Wi-Fi, still yeah. take care of some stuff, walk away, shut things off, do what I want to do. Versus now, my environment is controlling what I do. And so I have severely limited myself, causing myself more stress by not just relaxing and then just dealing with nature, I guess, yeah. by, by whatever it throws at me. I try to control. I'm not a control freak whatsoever. I hate micromanaging, but I still like to have some kind of control whenever I'm out. I like to still be able to know that what my team is doing. I like to just at least 
as long as I know that I have the ability to get on this damn phone, <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. But the second I realize that I don't have access to my team, I, I'm stressed out. I, I may not show it. I'm really good at not showing anything, but internally, I'm just dying inside. So this is actually growth for me by my, my wife forcing me to go on all these vacations, which means now my team is stepping up. So all that to say to your main question is, what's the next level for me? I'm thinking about opening up a brokerage, mm-hmm. but I'm also, I still want to focus on growing my wholesale team kind of first. It's just the brokerage is just going to be another subsidiary of basically because we already have so many leads coming in from our wholesale that we don't need to be wasting. So I can throw that over to our brokerage and might as well as capitalize on that as well. Sure. And then who knows what's going to happen from there. I'm always open to new business ventures. I don't care that it doesn't have to be just real estate related. I've got a staging company. I'm actually about to sell that. But I like other businesses that aren't just real estate related. So I think the more that I could watch my team grow and give them the the space and the ability to grow themselves and watch them shine is then finally going to let me kind of set back and then be exposed to more windows of opportunity, basically. Right. Dude, that's that was such a perfect answer for that question. I mean, you what I realize is you're very intentional. First and foremost, you deal in integrity and honesty, transparency. And I feel like that's the only way to you know do this business. I mean, there's so many schmucks out there that are Yep. Just going out there, slinging real estate, throwing shit on the wall, hurting homeowners, lying to them about values, or you know, just treating their employees like crap and talking to them like dogs and like, dude, you know, I, that's I never want to be that person that does that. And then you know, let's face it, you know, I see it every day. You know, people that are doing that, and it's 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 actually an honor to have somebody like you in the Atlanta market. You know, for years I thought I was, you know, my former business partner and I, I thought I was one of the only people out here doing this, and then. You know, yep. after walking away from that business two years ago and, you know, getting to know several people in the local market like yourself has just been, you know, life changing, but also honoring for me as well. So thank you so much for Absolutely. doing that uh, or, or being a part of my life a little bit. And then, um, you know, I know your time is valuable. So I want to wrap it up. And, you know, we put, we put a one hour show into 30 minutes of, of really good content, <laughs> which I appreciate. But uh, now for all the hardest questions in the world, what's your uh, what's your favorite movie and why? So this probably is not going to come to any surprise to you. I hate watching TV. I literally hate watching TV. I don't I don't have the patience. I don't really care about celebrities. I don't follow other people. So I again, I really don't watch watch TV or movies. If and when I actually watch something, it's going to have to be something that I can pause walk away, get on my phone, come back, watch again for a few minutes that I don't pay attention to. So yeah. that's probably not going to be anything I could really answer. Uh, okay. I, I just don't watch TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. What's your uh, favorite book that you've read and why? So similar, but at least I do have, I do have something. <laughs> one book that I, I do or I did like so much that I actually bought every one of my employees this book and was related to wholesale. I believe it was called Fire Yourself. And then it was at Fire Yourself. And it was about basically hiring a rock star acquisitions manager. And I think the I think it was Brian Elwood who wrote that book. I could probably Oh, I got five of them back here. Yeah, Brian Elwood, Fire Yourself, Rockstar Acquisitions Manager. Awesome. And for me, that was that was kind of 
the light bulb kind of went off. And even though I already knew like, okay, how am I going to grow? I've got to have an acquisitions manager, which I already had one. But to me, it was just finding little small nuggets within that book that would help my acquisitions associates. And it also kind of helped my acquisitions associates know that, hey, do you want the acquisitions manager role? Mm -hmm. Okay, here, read this. Here's our, you know, here are some extra nuggets that you can go out and apply when you're talking to your sellers. And everything in that book, you know, also talks about just being honest and transparent. And I just kind of really kind of connected that way. That was an amazing book. Generally, I do read some books. I don't read near as much as anybody else. I, I will, I'll listen to what other people say. I'll try to find those highlights, hit those highlights, highlights and keep it moving. I lose track really quick. The book Traction was also one that I've listened to a little bit on um, audio. I've read probably 60 or so pages out of that book, but I mainly just listened to uh, the audio version. And that was something that I also passed on to both my COO and my acquisitions manager. And even though I've not implemented all of those tactics and suggestions, there were quite a few that at least I still have in the back of my mind. Yeah. But I'm just trying to find the right time to be able to implement some of those changes. Uh, so those are probably my, my two books that I can think of right off the top of my head. Awesome. Awesome. This is uh, just because I like, I like pop culture. I don't know. I'm, I grew up around pop culture. I just, I was kind of like the cable guy, stayed in the room. Um, <laughs> You know, watching TV and all that junk. So, uh, what's your favorite music? Uh, who's your favorite musician or artist or whatever? By, by looking at me and then talking to me, you're going to be like, no, there's something wrong with this dude, right? So, when I'm jogging or running, or if I'm just really in the groove of, of me working, and then all of a sudden I almost feel like I get burned out a little bit just from working too much. I want to listen to the Disturbed or Breaking Benjamins or something. I, I don't know. Why, I don't know why. I yeah. I just my wife is like, why do you listen to that shit? And I'm just like, because it gets me going. Let's go, you know. And then and yeah. then that's it. Then I'm like, okay, back to my work. I just needed one or two songs, and I'm pumped. That's that's yeah. it for me. Awesome, awesome. Well, one last question. What is the? I mean, you've already given so much wisdom, but. You know what, what? What's something that you can impart uh, into somebody that's just beginning in real estate right now, and and just some kind of piece of advice that they could, you know, be led by? Sure. So that's a really good one. So I'm going to think back to a really young age, maybe even before, not even not even going to be real estate related, right? I would tell everybody to be less afraid mm-hmm. of failure. Absolutely. Like, be less afraid of failure. Focus more on experiences. Stop trying to stop trying to be perfect. Right. Challenge yourself, and then step step away from the crowd. Stop trying to do what everybody else is doing. Uh, imperfect action to me is way better than perfect action. And the reason why is because most people who are trying to be perfect, all they're going to do is they're going to be planning everything. They're going to be writing everything out. They're going to overthink it. They're going to overanalyze it. And they're never going to do it versus the people who are actually going to go out there and at least not be afraid of failure, try. People can talk about them. They can try. They're going to fail, but they're going to learn from it. And those experiences are going to actually get them much further than anybody else who just wants to try to like read and implement everything that they or, or plan on implementing everything that they read, but never do it. Or watch all these big, I don't know, 
Grant Cardone and everybody else and think that they want to be perfect like them and try to plan their life out and then still never go do it, right? Right. So don't be afraid of failure. Who cares about practicing to be perfect? Just go out there and fail, which I guess is a form of practicing, but don't try to plan to be perfect. Right. Fall, fall over, fail, and, uh, and, and gain those experiences. Because then not only, not only are you learning yourself from your experiences, but when you can actually educate other people, there, there's always somebody above and there's always somebody at, and there's always a lot of people below where you're going to be at. So having the ability to explain your experiences to those that are before you are just like you trying to listen to those who are above you from their experiences. You can then now educate others. But again, until they try what you're trying to educate, they won't fully understand it. No one's going to understand what it feels like to be a millionaire until they're a millionaire. Right. You tell a homeless guy, hey, this is what it feels like to be a millionaire. He's just going to look at you and never understand what the hell you're saying, right? But if you tell him, hey, these are the most amazing pair of shoes. And I tell you what, if you meet me on this corner next week, and then you put out five, six bandit signs, I'll bring you a pair of shoes. Great. Now he's got something obtainable, something that he can do. He had to work for it, but now he can do it. Now he's got those shoes. And now he understands because he's had the experience of how it feels. And then he goes to the next level. And then he goes to the next level. You can't just jump from A to Z without going through different levels of growth. Yeah, dude, it's so true, man. Well, dude, I, I greatly appreciate you coming on here to this podcast. I know you're running a company and extremely busy. Where's uh, where's somewhere where people can find you uh, on the social? If you are also, I know you're on social media, but where where can somebody find you? If they want to find out more about so you. Probably the easiest way is just my my Facebook page, uh, just under my name, and you'll probably see Exico Management logo on the back. I do have the Exco Management Facebook page. I don't do a whole lot with it yet. Maybe whenever I get a marketing manager, I'll let them jump on it. I think Exco Management Instagram is out there, but I rarely ever do anything out there. I'm more of one of those who I just kind of want to be on the side. No, I don't really don't care if everybody doesn't know anything about me. I want the team to shine and what they're doing. So I'm not out there a whole, whole lot, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, I just tagged you in on a, a post of a picture of, of you right here. So uh, on Instagram. <laughs> so there you go. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to explore more with you later. I do want to bring you back one day to talk about the no money down technique on how to flow. Oh, like yeah. Maybe, maybe do some teaching. Yeah. This was just a, you know, maybe we'll do a part two sooner or later. Uh, I know you know how to do that uh, really, really well. And I know you know how to teach that. That'd be really good to do like a teaching episode soon. But anyways, I'll let you get back to your life, man. Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, man, it's been an honor. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome, Brandon. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Rise Above the Ashes, the podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at riseabovetheashes.com.